And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again this week by Electrex publisher and fellow e-bike nerd, Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good, good. It's a little early here. I'm in uh, Arizona for a Hummer EV event. Oh, man. What time is it over there? Uh, it's just turned 6 o'clock a.m., so. Wow. Okay, yeah. So you're you're up bright and early. So. Yeah. Uh, Hope you got your coffee in you because we have a lot of interesting stories this week. Uh, just a little preview at the top of what we're going to be talking about. Aventon has launched two new commuter e-bikes. We also have a, uh, an interesting e-bike review we did for a drive shaft powered e-bike. Super 73, a pretty well-known electric bicycle company, just unveiled their first electric motorcycle, like full motorcycle, not pretend e-bike motorcycle. There's some other interesting larger format vehicles. Can-Am is going to be launching two new electric motorcycles. We just saw a new seated scooter, like a Vespa-style scooter from Segway. And we've got a few standing electric scooters on deck as well, uh, from a Canadian company called Apollo and an imported Chinese one from a company called Fido, which is a bit of a crazy scooter. You're going you're gonna to want to see that one. And then lastly, I think we're going to close it off with the awesomely weird Alibaba Electric Vehicle of the Week, which was a pretty weird little $4,000 electric roadster. So uh, where are we starting off this week, Seth? All right. Adventon launches new Pace 500 and 350 electric bikes with big updates for fast quality e-bikes. Okay, right. So this was, uh, if you're not familiar with Aventon, they are, they're one of those sort of value e-bike companies. Most of their bikes fall somewhere in the $1,100 to $2,000 range. And the Pace series has been their commuter bike lineup. So they just relaunched the 350 and 500 with a bunch of new updates. Uh, some of the differences on these bikes is they went with uh, internally housed batteries. So it's still a removable battery, but it's actually down in the frame there. They've updated the um, lighting on the bikes. So they've got those built-in taillights right into the chain stays, which look, I guess those are the seat stays rather, which, which look really nice. They've got that new color display and uh, some new prices as well. I think the prices have gone up slightly, but that's you know kind of an across the board thing. So the two different models here, there's the Pace 350 and the 500. The 350, I think it's... Um, $1,399, about $1,400. And that's a sort of standard class two e-bike. You've got your 20 miles an hour. Uh, I think the, the battery is something like 450 watt hours or so. And then the Pace 500 is the one that's a lot more fun. There's your class three 28 mile per hour e-bike, slightly larger battery. Um, both of these are hub motor bikes, which is how you get the, the decent price. The Pace 500 is, I believe, $1,699. And so both of these bikes now, they're sort of entering this new format that we're seeing of these integrated batteries, um, lights built into the frames. Everything's just a lot more purpose built now. You know, the e-bikes over the last few years, we've been seeing fewer of these, you know, bolted on mismatched parts and a lot more of, of sort of thoughtful design from the beginning that a lot of this is really integrated into the bikes themselves. So both of these are, are definitely very nice models. Um, we're going to be getting them both for reviews soon. And so we'll be excited to test them out. But so far, just looking at the specs, I can already say that these, these look very nice. And even, you know, just looking at the frames, I can tell they already match the quality that we've seen from Aventon because Aventon has just always been known for their, you know, really high quality construction, beautifully welded frames. And I think these are, are definitely going to be well received once we can start testing them and, and once they start 
arriving to consumers. What do you think, Seth? Could you see yourself on these commuter style bikes? Yeah, I mean, certainly I would opt for the the uh, higher power one. So 500 and 350, does that stand for like the uh, the wattage of the, the uh, motor? Yeah, so those are the continuous ratings. So, um, you know, the the 500, I believe it's the 500 continuous, so it probably peaks closer to 750. But there's, you know, there's no way you're getting to 28 miles an hour with a weak motor, that's for sure. Right, yeah. Um, I do also like um, the fact that uh, they don't try to put on, you know, value uh, shocks in the front. Um, a lot of companies think that people want not great shocks. If you're going to do shocks, in my opinion, you have to do, you know, quality versions. I don't like these like, uh, you know, Anchier or whatever, when they come out with these very value shocks that end up making the bike a little bit wobblier or, you know, a little bit more dangerous down the road. So yeah, good, good, good calls there. Those brakes look pretty big. Are those 180 or 150 millimeter? Um, I think they're 180, but I don't remember off the top of my head. They don't look like 160s. They look, you know, a little big for that. Yeah. And so that, that's another, uh, plus there. It just looks like they've made some really good decisions here. Um, you can see also the, uh, the cables are running through the tube as well as the, the battery being in the tube. So not, not something that they just pulled some stuff off the shelf. Uh, so glad to see it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point that, you know, they didn't opt for that cheap suspension. Um, I think we've both, we've tried a few Angier bikes. Also, I, I think the last time I was on a GoTrax bike, it was that same feeling. Like you said, you, you feel like the wobble of the fork and it does not inspire confidence. Maybe you pull the front brake lever and the, the fork stops a little before the bike stops. <laughs> right. It twists a little bit sometimes. Yeah. It's not, yeah. not a fun, fun feeling. Well, these would be great. Uh, when do you anticipate uh, having a review? Uh, so I'm hoping they should arrive in the next week or so. Uh, I'm going to be uh, back in the U.S. doing some testing in a little bit over a week. So I'll be excited to get on these right away. I mean, there are a lot of new e-bikes that have come out recently, but Aventon has always impressed me with their build quality. So these are, are definitely at the top of my list for bikes this season that I want to test out. Yeah, they look good. All right, moving on. An electric bicycle with a drive shaft. Hanbike launches futuristic-looking Japanese folding e-bike for U.S. and EU. Yeah, so this is definitely different from what we're used to seeing. Um, there, there have been drive shaft bicycles in the past. They're a little bit more rare in electric bicycles. But the cool thing here is that it combines a lot of interesting design choices. There's a drive shaft instead of the chain or belt. There are single-sided wheels. You take a look at that saddle it's like kind of That's wonky weird. looking yeah uh, there's there's a lot of interesting things here even that battery it's uh housed kind of where like a mid-drive motor would go it's right above the pedals and so it's just uh you know there's a lot of sort of i guess you could call them brave design choices here <laughs> but in testing this bike i've got to say it really worked now the downside is there's nothing high power here it's got like a 300 watt motor in the front hub and so, you know, when you're building like a lightweight bike, you, you just can't pack in a lot of power. And with a small battery, same thing. You got to keep it fairly low power. So this is, you know, a pedal assist and very much a uh, assist style e-bike. It's for someone that likes to pedal and just wants, you know, a little push when there's in the city. But with the drive shaft there, it's all enclosed. Uh, it's a little bit less efficient than a chain, 
but you basically never need to mess with it. You know, it's not like a chain where you have to oil it. Uh, they say it's maintenance free for 25,000 miles, which I think most people, that's the life of the bike, right? The life of the rider. So, yeah, really. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really interesting design. Even those uh, brake levers, it's like they almost look like they're backwards. They're hinged on the outer part of the handlebar. Yeah, it's so weird. And, it's like they chose to be different on every angle. Like, let's make a seat yeah. like, you know, teardrop or something. And <laughs> let's make these brakes look weird, too. Yeah, the whole thing is, it, it almost strikes me like um, if you've seen those Go Cycle bikes, they're yeah. those really expensive British folding bikes. So this one, you know, a lot cheaper. It, it just launched on Indiegogo for, uh, I think the MSRP is close to 2000 but they were selling it for like twelve or $1,300. So, you know, compared to like a $3,500 to $6,000 Go Cycle, obviously a lot more affordable. Not nearly as nice as a Go Cycle, but... In terms of, you know, a low power commuter style e-bike that folds small, it's light and has a totally enclosed drivetrain so you never have to mess with it or get oil on your pants or your ankle. It's a pretty neat solution and it's it's just kind of fun to try something so different and unique in an industry like the e-bike industry that you see the same things every day. Yeah, that is cool. I, um, is there any kind of like blowout of the actual gear shaft? I'm just curious what it looks like inside there. I'm sure they you uh, didn't take it apart. Right? Yeah. So I certainly didn't take it apart. Um, I'm waiting for 25,000 miles to you know yeah. do my tune up. But um, I don't remember seeing any like a uh, diagram about it. Now, the downside is like if you could look in there, you would see that it's a single speed. So right. there, there have been some interesting uh, concepts floated for multi-speed um, drive shaft bikes. I mean, one thing you can do is you can just use an internally geared hub. But there are others that uh, I think when we were at Interbike Reno, there was this crazy ceramic drive shaft, like 11 speed uh, shifter concept that was presented there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those things are expensive and complicated for like a bulletproof solution like this, where you just know it's going to work. A single speed gets the job done. So for, for some people, that's a downside for me who, you know, is riding it in a flat environment. Single speeds are my jam. Yeah. How about the uh, front uh, axle there? What's going on? That looks kind of big for just a, is that part of the, the mag wheel? Uh, uh, so that's actually where the hub motor is, believe it or not. Oh, like gotcha. it's a big hub, but it's a small motor. So uh, I guess everything's relative. And yeah, that's the 300 watt hub motor right there. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I initially thought because it had a drive shaft that the middle area was the, in, uh, was like the motor. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, actually completely independent that way. So you've got your electric drive up front, you've got your right. pedal drive in the rear, um, and then both of the wheels are actually single supported, both the you know drive shaft wheel in the back and that hub motor in the front. And so that's, I mean, it gives it that really sort of cool futuristic look with single sided wheels. And also mm -hmm. you could change your tire without um, taking the wheel off or change a tube. Also, you just, you know, pop it off the side. You never have to actually undo the axles, which is another neat advantage. Hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation fixing a flat. But if you did, those one-sided wheels are, are really nice for that. Yeah, that's cool. And then, of course, the battery is also low. So that theoretically is going to help with the driving or the riding performance. Yeah, All right, definitely. I, I, uh, I saw this, like, uh, you know, in passing, I didn't really dive in deep here, 
but um, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's fun to see new things, you know, and see companies mixing it up. Yeah, trying new things. That's cool. All right, moving forward. Super 73 unveils new 75 mile per hour light electric motorcycle <clears throat> and multiple new electric bikes plus a kid's e-bike. Yeah, so a lot here. Uh, Super 73 just had a big 2022 uh, media unveiling. It was supposed to actually happen at CES, but uh, um, uh, Super 73 was one of many companies that pulled out. So they delayed this announcement, but the wait was worth it because we had so many new products. The big highlight, which they saved to the end, but we're going to jump in right at the beginning, is the C1X. That is Super 73's new electric motorcycle. I want to say full-size motorcycle to differentiate it from electric bikes, but it's really more like a three-quarter-sized motorcycle. It's kind of a Honda Grom-sized. It uses also 15-inch wheels instead of a typical 17-inch that you'd find on uh, a lot of motorcycles. So it's designed to be a little more accessible, a little less massive, and it's it's really meant as an upgrade from people who would ride like a 30, 35-mile-an-hour e-bike but want to go legal, want a, a real, you know, honest honest to goodness electric motorcycle. And so that's what they rolled out here. In terms of specs, it's said to go up to 75 miles an hour and to get a maximum range of uh, 100 miles. It's about uh, 160 kilometers, I think. Now, they didn't say what the battery is. They didn't say how powerful the motor is. Uh, they didn't even say what speed that range is rated at. So that might be like the you know 15 mile an hour speed i'm guessing that we're looking at a similar battery to something like the 4000 watt hour in the saunders metacycle you know there's just not a ton of room in a small format motorcycle like this for a huge battery and then keep in mind that there's also probably just this one prototype available uh, they're not going to be producing these until the end of 2023 at the earliest which with the way things are going these days probably means 2024 at the earliest but, you know, so far, it's it's interesting to see them move into this bigger space. Now, the design, it's it's been, um, I guess, controversial, you could say. Some people very much like it. Some people very much do not like it. I, I don't, Honestly, I don't know where I fall on this yet. I've been looking at it for like a week now. And it's got a very retro, it's almost like, you know, neo-retro, which is an annoying term, but it's kind of popular in the motorcycle industry right now I, but it's I almost feel like i'm looking for where to plug in the atari cartridge into this huh. thing yeah i don't know what, what do you think of this well i i kind of wish that they had provided some uh like human beings on here because i don't really it's hard to grasp the scale um of this guy uh you know i like that they're playing in this segment. I like that the segment's kind of heating up. Like, I don't know, you mentioned the, the Saunders Metacycle earlier. Um, <clears throat> like that certainly was a very popular uh, item, even though it hasn't kind of uh, met its shipping uh, hopes, which is not surprising for the e-bike industry or e-moto industry and particularly the Saunders. But, um, you know, for me, I, I, I think it would be fun. I'm just trying to imagine, like, am I going to look like, you know, a silly, like, big guy on a small bike kind of thing? Or is this, like, going to be a motorcycle? Uh, you know, 15-inch tires, this kind of seems like almost like, a, like almost like a kid's bike. Yeah, well, 
so th there's one difference between uh, bicycle tires and motorcycle tires is that uh, bikes measure from the outer diameter of the tire, whereas yep. motorcycles measure the rim. So a 15 inch wheel on a motorcycle is probably closer to like a, a 21 or 22 inch bicycle, I would say, depending how uh, wide those tires are. Yeah, so it's going to actually end up looking similar to Saunders' other bikes in terms of wheel size. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it probably looks something like a three quarters to seven eighths scale motorcycle. Um, if you put it next to one of Super 73's other e-bikes, it's certainly going to be a little bit uh, bigger, but it, it's designed to be a slight step up from those. So it's not going to feel like you're standing next to a Zero or, you know, a Harley Davidson Livewire, that sort of thing. Yeah, and you said it's going to go over highway speeds, right? Yeah, 75 miles an hour is what they were floating. So that's that's not an e-bike. That's a e-moto. Yeah, and it's you know it's good to see them sort of go legal here in the sense that Super 73 is one of many e-bike companies that builds these uh, gray area electric bikes, you could call them, that surpass 28 mile per hour speeds. And at that point, it's sort of you're you're flirting with potentially illegal motor vehicle operation, depending on your state's laws and where you're using it, that sort of thing. A lot of these companies get away with off-road modes and you know that sort of thing. But you know, people use these on the road. Yeah, and I would even say like you know the the original intent of electric bike laws was to kind of uh, encourage people to pedal you know, real electric, you know, traditional bikes with a little motor on it. This is more like a, you know, a, a mini bike with pedals and the pedals aren't terribly useful. I mean, you, you certainly can add some power to it, but most of the power is coming out of the, the back end because it's a bigger bike, it's heavier. So th those are much uh, bigger motors as well. Um, they, and speaking of that, they, they announced some, uh, new other stuff right yeah definitely so um they took the r series or i guess really they took sort of the rx series that had some of the um nicer components like the horns the lights that sort of thing and they created the um super 73 r brooklyn which is like a street version that uh also incorporates that same you know 2000 watt motor uh, but it gives you the full suspension it gives you the light package you've got the horn it, it's basically sort of creating what we were talking about, which is that like quasi gray area electric bicycle. That's really more of a, an electric moped. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's their bread and butter really. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, I mean, they have it across several models. They have some sort of toned down ones as well. Um, they also unveiled a new super 73 Z model, which is their uh, intro level bikes. And so um, this one, it, uh, I think these started somewhere close to two thousand dollars maybe a little bit less than that if i'm not mistaken but they've got you know slightly less power it's like 1200 watts instead of 2000 but i mean anytime when you're over a thousand watts you're you're into serious e-bike power yeah and they they um this is not new for this this model but um they instead of having the the battery up top like a gas tank on a, a motorcycle they kind of incorporated underneath the seat uh, which I think is, you know, also a good luck. Yeah, it's nice that it kind of blends into the seat there too. It's it's hard to hide those big batteries, but they did, I think, the best they could with with a big battery like that. Yeah. 
And then last but not least, uh, they moved into kids' bikes, which seems to be a very popular place these days. Yeah, definitely. So they've got these, they call it the Youth Series. And the funny thing is they unveiled this second to last at their um, big media event, and they made it look like it was the one more thing. But uh, obviously there was one other one more thing, which was the motorcycle. Right. But these youth bikes, they're, um, I mean, they talk about them as if they're kind of like a balance bike. And uh, they're not, you know, particularly high powered, um, but they're, you know, meant for kids. They say four to eight, but based on the size of these things, it looks like a teenager could sit on them. Really? They're really meant to teach kids like, you know, how to, to control a, a small motorized bike, you know, get your steering confidence, that sort of thing. There's no pedals on these. So they're, you know, very much a balanced bike. But um, I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, 16 inch wheels. So they're, you know, not not like tiny they're not like the um if you've seen those uh stay psych bike uh, electric pallet spikes that harley davidson bought yeah um yeah. those are really for like you know two-year-olds or three-year-olds these right. like i could sit on one of these and i might look funny but i could literally ride it around cool All yeah right. i mean a thousand bucks it's it's a bit of an ask for a kid's yeah. e-bike for sure yeah, especially without pedals. Yeah, though. Um, I mean, they look pretty fun. Like, I kind of, kind of want to try one of these. Right. Yeah, those are cool. All right. Uh, moving forward, Can Am announces it will launch two electric motorcycles for on and off roading. Yeah. So this is kind of an interesting story here. Um, I, I must say I was not an expert on Can Am, but I definitely learned more about the company researching them to write this article. And so Can-Am, they started in the 70s. They were, you know, a dirt bike company or a dirt bike brand. And they uh, were actually really, really high quality and impressive performance bikes. I mean, they won so many championships. But by the 80s, the brand started to fizzle out. And then in the 2000s, they shifted into making like ATVs and, um, you know, the Can-Am uh, three-wheeled electric or three-wheeled motorcycle rather. And so now BRP, uh, Mabardier is bringing the Can-Am brand back to uh, electric motorcycles and electric dirt bikes because they're unveiling both of those two models. They said there's going to be two, two new motorcycles, both all electric, one for the street and one for the dirt. Now, we don't have any specs, unfortunately. I wish I could tell you, you know, power, range, batteries, anything. I can't tell you anything like that. But we do know that the company is committed to two models uh, that are both electric and says they'll be here by 2024. So is this the same company or is this like somebody who kind of bought the bought the brand kind of thing? Do you know? Uh, no, I mean, it's it's still BRP, um, but Bardier Recreational Products, I believe is what it stands for. Um, it's just that Can-Am has basically been sort of they've been taken from their roots, which was dirt bikes. And the brand has just been used to create all these different, you know, ATVs and that, um, you know, three wheeled spider thing. And so this is sort of like a return to form for the brand that BRP is, cool. is going back to making real motorcycles. And, you know, based on what we can see, it looks pretty interesting. Um, if you scroll down a little further there, I took that teaser image and I lightened it a bit and you can start to see some detail on the dirt bike. Uh, it's still pretty shrouded. The motorcycle looks like a pretty interesting, um, almost like a zero FXE, I would say seems a little bit small format, probably somewhere between that 
Super 73 and, you know, a full-size bike like a Zero SRF or something. But then they even have those two other models that are, you know, shrouded in darkness in the teaser there. They didn't say anything about them. But to me, it looks like um, maybe like a bobber motorcycle and then perhaps a scooter on the end. Or, yeah. I don't know. They're, they're both kind of odd, like, format and the the proportions seem a bit odd. It almost looks like those BMW scooters that have been right. coming out. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting area and, and BMW has pretty high hopes for that segment. So it's interesting to see other people possibly other companies possibly jumping in there. Um, the tread on this uh, dirt bike looks pretty nutty. Looks like almost like one of those snow bikes. Yeah. It's like paddle wheels almost. Right. Yeah, through the water. All right. That's yeah, cool. So, yeah, we're hoping to find out more soon. Unfortunately, you know, we don't really know anything other than that they've committed to doing it, but that is the first step. So that's good. All right. Uh, moving on, Segway uh, unveils new 30 plus mile per hour seated electric scooter for the international market. Yeah, so these are, um, if you're listening and not watching along with us on YouTube, these are seated scooters. So think like a Vespa, but a lot, you know, more rounded and futuristic looking. So Segway has already unveiled a few of these type of seated electric scooters or, or mopeds. Uh, the E110A is sort of a mid-performance model. You're talking uh, 30 miles an hour, about 50 kilometers per hour, uh, 1.5 kilowatt peak motor. So, you know, nothing crazy in terms of performance, but a fine getting around the city type of moped here that actually looks pretty nice you know it's and it, it comes from a brand that a lot of people still associate with you know the nerdy two-wheeled self-balancing uh, transporter yeah so um you know this is another interesting entry to the market and uh we don't know too much about it in terms of pricing yet either but uh you know segway has always been or i guess i should say in the last few years has been fairly um you know, moderately priced compared to some of the higher end models. If you look at like a, a new and NIU scooter, you know, those often cost in the, the four to, to $5,000 range for the really nice ones. And some of the other Segway 30 mile per hour mopeds have been closer to $2,000 or so. So, uh, you know, we, we expect this to be somewhere similar. And for a low power, you know, modest getting around the city type of moped, this could be a, another interesting addition to the market. Um, Seth, I think you had the Gen Z electric scooter for a while, right? Yep. Yeah. So this is, you know, similar performance. Um, I wonder how 30 mile per hour felt around your town. Was that enough or was it a bit slow? Uh, 30 miles per hour is fine on relatively flat roads. I do have like the one steep hill between myself and the coffee shop that I work at frequently. And that would kind of scare me a little bit. We, drop down below 20 miles per hour there uh, on the Gen Z, which means this one would probably do the same. But, you know, 20 miles per hour is still much faster than you would go on a bicycle. You kind of have to turn into bicycle mode there and, and pull over to the right side of the road and kind of just, you know, get 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 to the top and, and <laughs> let, let people go around you. Um, at 30 miles per hour, on the other hand, you're riding with traffic and you know, frankly, people like to speed and go over the speed limit. But if you're going the speed limit, you can't really uh, nobody's going to fault you for riding in the middle of the road. And and hopefully nobody's going to try to go around you. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, this is obviously 
um, you know, targeted towards an urban segment. This, I don't even know if this would be good for suburbia, depending on, you know, what your, your suburbs are like, but for anyone that lives in the city where the speed of traffic often itself doesn't get above 30 miles an hour, this definitely seems like a very nicely designed scooter that would be a, a pretty potent sort of urban assault bike. Yeah, and so would this is this something that would be homologated, or is it like kind of just? So they you know. they showed this off in the U.S. So I think they're going to bring this to the U.S. I know the I think it's the E one ten S model they had before was in Europe, and then they've got another sort of um, bicycle style electric moped that actually has pedals that they brought to the U.S. The C eighty. But I do believe this one's going to be homologated for uh, U.S., you know, the DOT and HTSA, uh, whatever the you know applicable laws are there. Because some scooters in this in this class, um, they put on like these silly little pedals just so they can get around the, the e-bike or you know get into the e-bike law or e-bike realm. Um, so this will have to have some sort of um, VIN number or something, right? To get a license. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, at this point, you're in sort of light electric motorcycle classes. You know, once you hit 30 in most states, you cross into moped or, or motorcycle designation. Well, that's good because Segway has some resources where they can get that that paperwork done. And, you know, you know, besides this guy's shoes, this looks like a pretty, you know, stylish uh, setup here. Um, you know, maybe uh, some people who have been hesitant to kind of jump on the scooter scene because you know these two thousand dollars scooters are aren't terribly good looking, this one looks pretty pretty svelte here. Uh, you know, with the chrome on the kickstand and the mirrors and the the leather seat or leather colored seat, <laughs> and uh, you know, for two to three thousand bucks, this would be a pretty nice setup. Yeah, I have to give Segway props here because it's a pretty classy looking design. Uh, you know, you sort of call it a Vespa style, but in the same way that. You know, in, in Italy, you'll you'll see bankers driving to work on a Vespa. I could see people in San Francisco, um, you know, assume, assuming you don't have too big of a hill in front of you riding this to work. Yeah, <laughs> those hills. All right, uh, moving on uh, with electric bikes exploding in popularity in the U.S. is a new wave of light electric motorcycles next. Yeah, so this, um, this was a bit of an opinion piece that I wrote after that Super 73 C1X electric motorcycle was debuted, but... It, it looks at a, a situation that we've been seeing develop over the last couple of years where first electric bicycles really began skyrocketing in popularity. You know, they were already growing before the pandemic, but once the pandemic hit, you know, everyone and their brother was buying an electric bike. But now we're starting to see all of these light electric motorcycle models coming out. And so, you know, it's not just that Super 73 we just saw. There's that Saunders Metacycle, which is a 80 mile per hour electric motorcycle. What we're looking at here is the Coulter ES1, um, which, unlike the Metacycle, is already available. This is a $59.99 electric motorcycle you can buy today in the U.S. Um, it's available in Canada, too. I think it's a few um, Canadian dollars more than the U.S. $6,000 price. But this is also you know, a 70 or 75-mile-an-hour electric motorcycle. And then uh, new NIU has the RQI coming out in, supposed to be out, this summer hopefully it sticks to that schedule and again you know this is a somewhere between 62 to 100 mile an hour bike it was supposed to be 100 miles an hour in the first version 
but it looks like they're going to roll out a uh, 62 mile an hour version first, which is 100 kilometers per hour. And so, you know, they'll start with that one and then hopefully we get the, the full performance one soon. But if you look at all these interesting new bikes coming out, it, it really starts to, to beg the question, is this the next you know, step up from a high powered electric bicycle? And could this be part of a new shift away from um, not just gas cars, but, but all cars for people that you know, want to either avoid pain at the pump or just want to avoid traffic and parking issues and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I have to say, I'm really impressed by just the number of different electric motorcycles coming out. And I really start to wonder, you know, how big is this impact going to be when it comes to, you know, traffic and, and new car purchases? What are you thinking, Seth? So that's, you know, I, I think about myself, obviously, because, you know, that's my point of reference. But um, one of the big problems or one of the big uh, hindrances into getting into electric motorcycles is the uh, the test because you know I don't want to necessarily learn how to use a clutch and I don't want to get my hands on a, a gas motorcycle. I wonder if with all these electric uh, small motorcycles coming out, if you know the test can be taken on you know like a Saunders motorcycle or something. That said, like I, you know I shouldn't be. Like if I can ride a Saunders motorcycle, it doesn't mean I can ride a Harley, you know, old school fat boy, whatever it's called. So maybe there should be a, you know, a smaller motorcycle kind of driver's license that uh, would enable people who can certainly ride a, you know, no shifting gears, just, you know, twist the, uh, twist the throttle, hit the brakes kind of uh, bike. Um, I think that would that would make it easier. I don't know if that's you know government doesn't really move that fast, so I don't know what we're going to see there. Um, yeah, I guess maybe if if these like kind of move down market to to scooter licenses, is there a way that that could happen? I mean, how how does scooters? And I know every jurisdiction is different, but how are scooters? People can just jump on a scooter. I think these bikes are more similar to scooters in that respect. Um, how are scooters uh, legal in, in uh, the US? Like you don't need a license for those usually. Yeah, so unfortunately it's state to state, but generally speaking, um, most scooters or you know moped class vehicles are considered motorcycles. However, some states will have a specific class for them. Like when I lived in um boston i think massachusetts had a like 30 to 40 mile per hour i think it was called a limited use vehicle which basically meant like you know vespas and 50 cc motorcycles and stuff that you didn't have to have a full motorcycle license and you just got like a sticker on the back instead of an actual license plate right so some states have these sort of in-between things um, i believe in europe there are also actual classes kind of like what you're talking about where you've got like an A2 or an A1 or an A license, and those refer to like a up to you know 125 cc scooter or a 500 cc motorcycle, etc. And so, you know, if we had something like that in the U.S., then you could definitely see, you know, these light electric motorcycles being used for something between like a, a scooter and a and a full size, um, you know, manual transmission gas motorcycle. Yeah, and you you don't typically. Like the, the people who ride these, like the Saunders Metacycle, like you definitely 
should be able to go on the highway and there's that's definitely a use case but i feel like these are mostly urban you know going maybe 15 20 miles a day um on city streets and maybe some you know suburban kind of situations but it's not like yeah. you're not cruising the high the highways for hours at a time absolutely and i think it's you know it's important for these companies that they have that capacity to to be able to go on a highway you know this bike i uh, tested this one uh late last year and uh, i think it goes up to like 72 miles an hour or something i was mostly in the city so i didn't get it above like 50 but the fact that if you needed to do like 10 miles on a highway you could do 72 miles an hour in the right lane and in most places you know no one's going to give you a problem right and and you know obviously you're probably getting very aerodynamic to get to that 72 miles per hour, you're not sitting up and, uh, you know, enjoying the wind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the most important things about these bikes is that they just make it more accessible in terms of cost, because, you know, if you look at, for example, zero motorcycles, I always go back to them because, you know, they're the leader in the U S and they sort of set the, the high water mark. And so their price range is something like 10 to $11,000 up to about $20,000. But these bikes, I mean, the Coulter right there is $6,000. Right. And, you know, of course, it doesn't have the performance of a zero. But, I mean, I, so when I rode the SRF, that's a 125-mile-an-hour bike that I saw triple digits once for a few seconds. And then I never did it again. And I don't have the opportunity to use that kind of speed. So yeah. as a commuter bike, you know, the 70s are, are just fine. Right. Yeah. Uh it's an interesting area. Like, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. I mean, there's, there's a, a pretty vast swath of the population that just will never feel comfortable on a motorcycle on city streets. So, but, you know, taking, you know, 10% of the cars or even 20, 30% of cars off the road and onto these things, which are going to be a lot more fun, going to be a lot more, like you're going to be quicker to get to where you're going. You're going to be able to park a lot closer to, place you're going i mean that's one of the things i love about e-bikes is like you know i might lose a little speed on the road but um i'm parking right next to the, the front door of where i'm going and i'm you know pulling out of my garage so you know that that big parking lot walk is kind of over so you know i feel like i save any time i lose um in speed in the car getting there i i get gain it back on you know the parking situation so there's a lot of things to think about with these these uh this class of bikes so uh, i'm glad they're they're uh, becoming more popular yeah i, I think that this is really gonna you know open up the market in the next year or two especially as some of these bikes like the metacycle and um you know super 73 start coming into the market and, and offering real options speaking of uh the saunders any like what's the latest on those deliveries um, I think that they're still on track for summer of 2022. So we're looking at something like June, July. We've seen some images on their Instagram account of frames that have been produced. They had like, you know, 20 or 25 frames lined up. So it looks like they're actually making progress, which is a good sign. Right. But, um, you know, they're still very much behind their original end of 2021 deadline. Right. Which like we kind of had... I think Saunders is very optimistic in their timelines. 
you know, like uh, works for Elon Musk. So <laughs> who are we to, to complain? All right. Uh, yeah. Moving on. New Apollo City electric scooter has single or dual motors, full suspension, 32 mile per hour speed, and never flat tires. Oh, man. Yeah, so this is a really neat one. Apollo, they're a Canadian scooter company. And this is the second model that they've actually designed from the ground up. So for several years now, most, if not all, electric scooters on the market have sort of been mashups of existing parts out there. You know, they take the same decks, the same wheels, the same everything, and put it together differently. But this is the second time that, that Apollo's started from scratch. And the new Apollo City is a really interesting scooter. It's called a city scooter, but um, between the, the two models, the higher power one gets up to over 30 miles an hour. So it's, it's got some pretty good performance for a uh, so-called city scooter. But in terms of design, there are some really neat features they put in this. Uh, it's got uh, triple spring suspension. So I think it's um, dual springs up front, one in the rear. It's got turn signals, um, really good lighting. They created apparently their own tire compound that has this sort of like gummy gel in it, not like slime that, you know, it goes around inside of a tube. These are actually tubeless and the tire rubber itself is very thick and, and kind of like uh, gummy in, in the inside. So they've shown it running over two inch nails and it just seals itself. Like it's a self-healing rubber tire. It's like the, the Terminator. Like <laughs> you shoot it and it just like comes back together. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch the the demonstrations. And so, um, you know, in, in terms of design, it's a sleek looking scooter. Uh, it's got a nice big open deck there, a lot of place to put your feet. Obviously, the full suspension is going to be important for a lot of people in the city where if you've got fairly small wheels, these are 10 inch tires that, you know, you're you're bouncing around a lot. So that suspension is going to be important. And so the design just looks really nice. Um, you know, these aren't cheap. I think... Uh, the, the higher end model goes something like uh, $15.99, $16.99. So, you know, you're getting up there in terms of price, but this is certainly a much higher performance scooter than, you know, like a GoTrax or a Xiaomi or, or those sorts of 15 mile an hour city scooters. So this is definitely an interesting one to look at. This is another one that uh, we're going to be hoping to test out uh, in the next month or so. Um, they just opened pre-orders on them. So, uh, people are just starting to order these and it's it's got a lot of promise this one i would say oh one thing i forgot and this is a really cool feature is the variable regen braking so uh, if you can see there's sort of like two throttle levers there there's the right one which is the actual throttle and then there's a left one which applies the regenerative braking so the harder you push that the stronger the regenerative braking comes on which most electric scooters that have it it's like an on or off situation so that right. variable regen, that's really cool that is cool. And you have quite a lot of braking options there. You have uh, one on each hand for, I guess, the front and rear. And then you have the regen there. I guess the, the, the front and rear are kind of emergency brakes. You probably can get by with regening uh, if, you're, if you're a smart rider most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. They said that you can basically uh, regen to a stop. And so, you know, like you said, that's if you ever needed the mechanical brakes there, they've got dual drum brakes. And so those would stop you pretty quickly. But most riders, as long as you're sort of planning ahead and not, you know, surprise braking, you can pretty much regen all the way to, to zero. 
Now, is this the one I feel like um, a, you you did this thing where you were like jumping up and down on on uh, the scooter and kind of like like a springboard? Is it is this kind of the same like uh, a suspension system? Is that? Yeah, I think it was um, the Explorer that I got some real air with the Apollo Explorer scooter. Um, okay. This one actually has even better suspension. So I'll be interesting to see how this rides. Maybe it's dampered but, uh, with uh, some shocks, so you won't be able to do your your uh, high jumping thing there. Yeah, I'll have to see. Uh, you know, lay out some coke cans, see what we can jump over. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty promising. And then uh, this integrated um, smartphone holder is that is there like an app that helps you, or is this just kind of like you know Google Maps? Yeah, so they have their own app. Uh, we haven't tested it yet. They unveiled it a few months ago with their uh, Apollo Air scooter, I believe. And this will be the second scooter that it's uh, compatible with. And so they have their own GPS in there. I mean, it uses the phone's GPS, but um, that way you can be within their app and still have your directions right there on your handlebars. I do mm -hmm. think that the uh, phone holder is an add-on accessory. I don't think it comes with it. Okay. But you know, for someone who, who uses a scooter for their main navigation, you know, and there are a lot of people that, you know, that's how they get around the city is by scooter. That's a pretty nice feature to have that, you know, you've got your, um, you know, GPS right there and it, it makes for an even better display than the, the built-in scooter display. Yep. Well, that's cool. Looking forward to seeing that. All right. Moving forward, uh, the Fido Beast seated and standing 30 mile per hour electric scooter launches offers choose your own ride style. So this yes. is kind of interesting. Yeah, this is situation. wacky. Like this is... Uh, this is thinking outside the box for sure. So this is a um, ostensibly a standing electric scooter in that, you know, you've got the tall handlebars, but you can drop the handlebars down and there's a little seat on back that you can actually sit on this scooter. And then there are foot pegs mounted on the front swing arm. So you can actually put your feet out sort of uh, roadster style in front of you. And then you've got effectively like a two-wheeled go-kart, I would say. I mean, this is this is kind of a wild concept in that it's I, I don't even know what you call this thing. I mean, it's a scooter, but like it kind of defies classification. Yeah. Uh so it's it is interesting. I, I wonder, so like looking at this, I'm I'm wondering like how flexible you have to be. Like, are you somebody who can touch like your toes or do you have to, have to be able to put your palms on the floor or uh and then also like the amount of suspension on the back like going off road hitting a jump you would probably lose your tailbone uh with the you know it's probably got an inch of travel there or something uh it seems a little scary but uh you know there's got to be somebody out there who's thinking to themselves, I could just sit on the scooter. What, why do I need to, uh, why do I need to stand here? And I'm certainly for uh, the more bike-like interfaces. Yeah, I've also, I think I've seen cell phones larger than that seat. So I'm not sure how comfortable that's going to be. There's not a lot of padding or surface area on that seat to sit on. We're watching the video now uh, for those. And he does seem to be hitting some bumps there but I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would go off a jump on that thing. I, I kind of wish they uh, had a, like a, a, a seat that 
kind of almost met you where you are standing kind of situation. I feel like yeah, that would be safer. I've seen a lot of scooters that have exactly what you're describing. It's like almost like a bicycle seat post that comes up from the deck and you sit in a more normal seated scooter position as opposed to this one where you're almost sitting on the deck. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's it's an interesting concept. And we know Fido, you know, they're they're legit. They're making uh, e-bikes and stuff. So oh, yeah. And they've delivered before, you know, this is an Indiegogo we should mention. So, you know, a lot of people are a little worried about those, but like you said, uh, you know, Fido's built many different products. We've tested several and they're like a known entity. Yeah. Well, are you going to, if they send you one, are you going to break one out, uh, do some testing around town? Yeah. If, if they have media units and I can get one of these to borrow, I am absolutely going to see what I can injure myself riding over all right i would i would invest in some uh some of those like snowboarder pants where you, you can't break your tailbone on that might yeah, maybe add like a, a stadium bleacher seat under that as well yeah exactly all right uh last and then, uh, what do we have last here last of the day and by the way um if you guys have any comments those who are listening online which looks like 52 people um, please put them in the, um, the chat and we will, uh, it can be either Facebook, uh, LinkedIn or YouTube, and we will address any questions at the end here. So awesomely weird Alibaba electric vehicle of the week, which by the way, is one of my favorite, uh, things of all time. Every weekend, I, I'm always excited to see what, what kind of trouble you've gotten yourself into, uh, a $4,000 dandy with a little electric two seater car. Yeah, so this is, um, <laughs> so like Seth said, this is our weekly, um, you know, dumpster bin diving of the Alibaba electric vehicle uh, online catalog, I guess. And so this week, the weird electric vehicle I found is like a, I think it's like a two-seater or a one-seater roadster almost. It's a four-wheeled vehicle, but it almost looks like a bumper car escaped from an amusement <laughs> park. And so there's there's not a lot of vehicle to this. It's also not very high performance. I mean, it's like 20 miles an hour, um, very low power motor, but it's just the dandiest of little electric mini cars, I would have to say. I mean, it's got like that Chesterfield seat. I don't know if that's yeah. real leather. I don't. <laughs> the um, like brass faux grill on the front the, the bug-eyed lights even those mirrors which i'm pretty sure are motorcycle mirrors <laughs> yeah the, the I... whole thing is this is an exercise in creative parts combination i would say yeah it's a little bit of a frankenstein um but you know like around uh senior living facilities this might be a very popular item um you know, golf courses, perhaps uh, those wheels look big enough, although I wouldn't want to climb too big of a, you know, you don't want to get caught in a sand trap with this thing. <laughs> yeah, I think a, a golf course would be a great place to have this because also it like fits that sort of vintage of like, you know, silver haired kind of riding around, having fun, don't care what people think anymore at this point in your life. Like that's that's the type of vehicle this is for. And of course, like I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, you take out that two kilowatt motor and you put in, you know, like a, a 10 kilowatt and then, then maybe you have some like, kind of like a go-kart idea. 
I mean, those tires Absolutely. look great. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't, you know, beef this thing up to the point where you could have some real fun with it. I mean, 20 miles per hour feels like the safe. They're not going to sue anybody if, you know, you drive into a wall with it. But yeah, I mean, you pop in a, a stronger motor on that axle, some bigger batteries, and you could actually have a really fun little, you know, kind of urban runabout. I don't know if it's going to be street legal. I can guess that it's not going to be, but I, I like where you're going with that. I would love to see this thing hot rodded. And then, of course, uh, for rainy weather, uh, the video that they provide with in probably Shenzhen or something, the guy going around in a circle, uh, he has a canopy because you don't want to get that uh, plastic wet, I'm sure. The, the test of field, <laughs> uh, you, you probably would lose some buttons in that case. So they have a canopy. Is that canopy added to the price or is that part of the... So I, I, I couldn't find the canopy as an option on the Alibaba page. So either that's like a secret level perk or this guy <laughs> has gotten creative and has taken this off of like a baby carriage or something and attached it to his little car. Right. Or like a, <clears throat> like a, an umbrella from a beach, a beach uh, cabana or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've bought some weird things on Alibaba before, but this one uh this one would be hard for me to justify let's put it that way yeah you know there it would almost be fun to have like an alibaba i mean you know we we so a little backstory like mike and i were just sending these things back and forth um you know like oh look at this crazy alibaba thing and then i would find i would look at that and then look in the like you might also like this and i would say oh my god that's crazy too and then you know finally we were like we should probably do a a, you know, a weekly deep dive into these things. And that's how this like posting was born. Um, it's fun. Like, it's fun to look at this stuff. I wonder if, uh, you know, we, we talked about like your uh, motorcycle coffee table book, your uh, electric motorcycle coffee table book, if that would be something probably not as exciting, but like, what if you had like a, like this weird, a weird, like almost like Tiger King kind of, like mini amusement park full of Alibaba, Alibaba, crazy vehicles, water vehicles, submarines. I don't know. Maybe that would cause some liability issues. We could have like the Jay Leno's garage of weird Chinese electric vehicles. Exactly. You could have like a hundred of them. People can come over and, you know, pay admission to, to ride, ride around at 20 miles per hour or something. Oh man. I would love that. Yeah. The, you need a, an ironclad liability waiver because some of these don't look like the safest vehicles. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the uh, end of our stories, but we have some uh, comments. It looks like uh, we hit the uh, LinkedIn thing. So um, I don't know if you can see that. Uh, we got some hellos from people on LinkedIn. It's kind of early in the U.S., at least on the West Coast. Um, so hi, everyone there on LinkedIn. Uh, Dan Ramasau is uh, a Pedigo fan. I don't know. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, Micah, but there's a Pedigo going into my hometown. So, uh, you know, just right right down the street from the coffee shop. So I now have a electric bike shop uh, in my area. Pedigos are kind of cool. You know, I wouldn't put them at the like best bang for buck uh, category, but it's really nice. You can go try them out and they're, they have a physical presence and um, their bikes aren't bad. Um, 
So that's for Dan. Uh, Ken Glass, thanks for the channel. Appreciate that, Ken. Um, got some interesting language stuff here. Uh, Stephen Smith says the average speed limit in Las Vegas is 45 miles per hour. There are more bike paths, but massive vehicle negligence. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably one of the bigger problems is the the uh, the, the bigger vehicles uh, causing some stress. Uh, so Luke Luck, sad life <laughs> says, "What is the starting price?" I think that was at. Uh, about halfway through, so I'm wondering what, which uh, vehicle they were talking about there. Well, anyway, we need some context people, <laughs> yeah, we need some more context there. Uh, A10 Egress says, I live in North Florida and have to drive 15 miles, so one way to work. What would you recommend for an e bike, e moped, or something else? Oh man, so Florida, I feel like, is great moped sort of. Like, you know, bigger roads, things are more spread out. Like, I mean, motorcycles are great, but if you want to be closer to an e-bike, Florida's like scooter moped territory. Yeah, I feel like uh, the drivers in Florida, and it varies by how close you are to the water, um, are are going to be a little bit different. Um, more LinkedIn folks. Hi. Um, looks like somebody from, what language is that? Or what script is that? I don't know. You've got me. I don't know. Hmm. It's like hieroglyphics. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe it's like a, a meme or an ASCII thing. Or, uh, T2 the bike guy says, my Rose, good morning. Good morning over there. Uh, hit that like button. Of course, everyone do that. Um, and obviously the bell reminder because we go on a kind of a different time every morning depending on where one of us is. Um, Jay Dragon says you need a license in Kentucky, but any license will do even a permit as long as it meets requirements. So yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the problem in the U S is like, no, no state has the same or very few states have the same kind of regulations. So building these e-bikes, you can't really, well, you know, like New York will let you go up to 30, 30 miles per hour, for instance. So maybe they should start making 30 mile per hour e-bikes instead of class three, which are 28 mile per hour e-bikes. Well, at least Kentucky makes it easy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the bike guy is also back saying it's a no brainer with gas prices. Yeah. Like if you guys don't like paying gas, uh, e-bikes are the way to go. All right. I think that's pretty much it. Be green in and out and Thank you, finally, to Planet Tierra for the 199 bumper sticker. Uh, we will spend that in some some good way, I'm sure. So you want to take us out, Micah? Awesome. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we'll be back in another two weeks with uh, all of the latest e-bike news, e-motorcycles, and other light electric vehicles. So we'll see you guys in uh, in two weeks. <laughs>